Welcome to Map Bites episode 16. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode we'll be discussing our latest experiences with our Macs and iPhones and it's your last chance to enter our competition to win some fantastic new software. But first, if you remember from the uh, last episode, we discussed the backing up of the iPhone and every time you synchronise or plug it in it seems to take a long time. And I mentioned that there was a terminal hack to disable the backup. Um, well, thanks to Steve Roberts, or Steve Rob, who uh, contacted us, and uh, he told us about some uh, some free software. We like free software. We do. Which you can get on Mac Update, and uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. And uh, what that does is it actually disables the, uh, the backup. Uh, it's just a little switch. You don't have to go into the terminal. You just fire up the software, and you can actually turn uh, backup enabled, backup disabled. Useful. It is, it's very useful. Uh, talking of iPhone backups, more on that later on. And talking of iPhone apps, if you remember from uh, the last episode, I talked about an application called Digital Clock. And how thrilling was that? Yeah, it sounded great and it was a free application and I thought that would look great on my bedside table. But the problem was uh, the iPhone would actually turn off as it normally does. Uh, and what this one does, this, this one called Big Clock, it is 59 pence. Uh, and although it actually prevents the iPhone from going to sleep, it only works on landscape mode. So it can't be used in a dock or a cradle. So yes, I could pick up my iPhone and see what time it was. But uh, I, I really want to just be able to, to lean over and have a look at it. Oh, give it up. I think I will. <sighs> Buy a watch, be done. I think I will. File magnet. That was something that we also discussed on the last episode. And uh, I've been getting some uh, low on memory messages uh, when I was actually opening a small PowerPoint file. And I closed it again, I tried it, and, and it was okay. Um, but I believe from reading on the forums that this low on memory message is quite common. Yeah, I've been getting that. Um, but what I put on file magnet to try it, obviously... Um, Working in a home office, I don't have to worry about taking files out and about as much as you do. Uh, what I was testing it with was some PDF files of about 1,200 pages. So uh, I, that is a message I have seen a couple of times. But like you say, just shutting it down, going back in, it's working fine, even when the files are that big. So um, I was actually quite interested in some of the others, which I know you're going to have a look at. Yeah, there's data case, there's uh, files and there's mobile, found, fi mobile finder. Um, they all do very similar jobs and uh, I'm actually going to do a, a, a more of a review of those and put those on my uh, blog. But what I'm really interested in is if anyone knows a way to transfer files from a Mac uh, to the iPhone via a cable, via the USB cable, not wireless. Um, I had files on my MacBook uh, and I wanted to transfer them to the iPhone at work and I can't connect to a wireless network. Although I know you've come up with a, a suggestion, Elaine, haven't you? Yeah, um, for the benefit of those who don't know, Mike's stuck working with a Windows machine, although he does take a MacBook to work with him. Um, and you want to develop with a server. So the server is IIS, which is running in Parallels or Fusion. Parallels, Parallels. Yeah. Um, And we could configure it manually so that that worked when you were away from the office. But when you bring it back here, we'd have to reconfigure it. So I said the easiest thing by far to do was just get a cheap router and have that acting as a, D, uh, a DNS server, um, no, a DHCP server. And it would automatically configure the whole thing for you. So for about 15, 17 pounds, that's what yeah. you've been doing. Um, so it doles out IP addresses. You don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about you being away and not being able to configure it. And it's working fine. But I did say that um, it's got wireless, so there's absolutely no need why you couldn't turn the wireless on. Uh, and it would then add the iPhone to your own private wireless network and you'd be able to transfer things wirelessly anyway. So it would just be like a normal router, only it wouldn't be attached to an ISP at the other end. The things you have to carry around to work to make to be able to do your job are just amazing. Mm. Mobile computing, eh? Oh, yes. Well, you know, the iPhone's quite handy. It's just the haversack on the back with the rest of it in. That's right. So if anyone does know a way to transfer files from the MacBook to the iPhone via USB cable without me having to carry around a backpack full of stuff, I'd be very grateful, please. And without um, that machine being the one that you synchronise the iPhone to. 
That's right, yeah. Because you synchronise to your desktop, so you don't want to be doing any synchronisations either. Oh, you come up with some problems, don't you? Mm. Not like me. I mean, I wouldn't have problems, would I? Like um, I play Adobe TV router issues or anything. <laughs> the ongoing saga. No, no, no. It's good news this week. Um, as everyone knows, I'm sorted out. Um, I've actually checked my router the last couple of days and I have had 26 days of uninterrupted uptime. Uh, the fastest I've ever been connected to be. So switching for me, switching to the Netgear router was... Oh, the holy grail, and it's wonderful. But uh, if you are stuck with the problem, hope is on the horizon. Um, Thompson have admitted an issue at last, six months later, and they're bringing out some router firmware updates. No date yet, but at least they're working on it after a long six months. In the meanwhile, the BBC have acknowledged the problem with the iPlayer as well, and they've sorted it out on their end by tweaking their servers to provide a temporary solution. Now, that'll solve your problem with the iPlayer, but it won't help with any other sites that are causing exactly the same problem. So it was obviously um, caused originally by some changes to the streaming software, uh, but it can be fixed as the BBC seemed to have done it. The only thing I thought with the BBC that was a bit off was that they knew they had a problem, they didn't acknowledge it publicly, and they held off fixing it until after the Olympics in case it had an adverse effect on the iPlayer. And I thought, well, for anybody stuck on a Thompson router, the Olympics were irrelevant because you wouldn't be seeing any of it on the iPlayer. But that is what they did. And we have um, a URL that I'll put in the show notes about where BT are up to with it, um, the latest issues that they've got and what they're doing about it. So uh, hope is at least on the horizon. If anybody remembers the last episode, I was talking about uh, going down to London and using Twinkle and using that nearby facility. And I found somebody called McJim. I asked him if he was the McJim, because we already had a listener, subscriber, called Dirt McJim, and uh, he said he wasn't, but it did get us another MacBytes listener. However, since that, uh, we've had McJim, or is that McJim? The original, anyway, from uh, Bonnie Scotland, who's written in and he's put the record straight. So it's great to hear from you, McJim. And we now have a way of telling them apart. We do. Just just to, to, to let you know about that, McJim is the original, and Muck Jim is the new one. So Mac Jim is with an A, M-A-C Jim, and the new one is M-C Jim. Right, that's cleared that up then. So hello to both of you. That has cleared that up. Hello, both of you. Nice to have you with us. And uh, talking about Twitter. Oh, yes, the great Twitter follower fight. As regulars will know, we've embraced Twitter in a big way recently, and um, after more MacBytes listeners followed Mike than me, we started a bit of a competition, all in jest, of course. So not. Um, so welcome aboard all our new followers, and for those of you still on the fence, we've got a couple of fantastic resources which explain the whole Twitter thing. It can seem a bit strange before you actually participate, and I'll be the first to admit, I thought, oh no, no, this isn't for me, until I actually tried it. Well, the first one that um, is a blog post and explains it is from one of our listeners... And the address is on her blog at galacticstrings.com. So that's Jane73, who did a nice explanation of Twitter. There's also um, a link to a video on there as well, which was a video I looked at before I had a go on it. And um, that helps as well. So uh, Galactic Strings, which is Jane's blog, we'll put that URL up. And Don McAllister over at Screencast Online has done not one, but two shows on Twitter recently. The first one explained Twitter um, as a concept and the Twitter website. That was a members-only show, uh, for which read it was a paid-for show. Uh, but there is um, a preview of the show, so you can always have a little look at the, the first one. And um, then sign up to, uh, to uh, for the rest of them, which is uh, exactly what I did. So uh, I'm an extra member. The second show um, covered Twitter, but it covered the desktop client part of Twitter. So he covered three desktop clients. I think it was, um, help me out here, TweetDeck, uh, Twirl and Twitterific. I think. I think those were the three. So, I think they were. Uh, to be honest, it's the desktop clients that actually make it viable for me, to be honest. I, I wouldn't be going to the website and constantly updating, although I know you have to at work, although you have got your iPhone. I do. I do a bit of both. It depends whether the uh, the, the iPhone clients are actually working, because sometimes they 
stop working. Yes, but that's because of where you are. Pretty much I have a good connection all day and um, I keep very strange hours, as um, our Australian listeners know. So um, I'm sometimes on my iPhone because it's I'm in bed and it's the first thing I pick up in the morning. Oh, all this is coming. Anyway, too much information. Let's... What's the first thing a geeky girl does in the morning? Yep, check Twitter. Mm. Anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about. Don's wonderful shows, the second of which was the Twitter desktop clients. So um, they are available. We'll put a link up to, to uh, Don's site as well. That's Screencast Online. And if you are an extra member or you join um, to become an extra member and you watch that first show, MagBytes features on it in a subtle, understated kind of way. So a um, little bit of a teaser there. You have to go and watch it to find out. And... Um, our competition for followers is going very well, isn't it? It is, I think. I've picked up half a dozen this week. Yes, I think you've cheated, though. I've noticed what's happening is people who start to follow MacBytes, Mike immediately follows them, and they feel obliged and follow him back, which I'm not doing, which is cheating. So Tactics. Uh, yes, yes. So if all of a sudden some MacBytes followers get a, a strange woman following them, that would be me trying to redress the balance. But there you go. Talking of... Uh... Uh, Twitter again, Gav, Gav Richardson, who's one of our MacBytes followers, but uh, I also follow him through Twitter. Um, he reported something on Twitter which uh, I had the same problem with, and that was the SMS sticking keys on the iPhone. He was trying to type up an SMS, and his, his keys just started sticking. Now, I had exactly the same problem, so it's nice to know. Well, I don't know if it's nice to know, but um, obviously it's, it is nice to know that other people have got the same problem, and it's, it's not just you. And I ended up just... You pressing the backspace again, deleting more than I needed to, I think. Which, as I recall, has happened to you before with a shopping list. It has some happened weeks with, ago. No, with notes, didn't it? Mm, it did. So maybe it's um, the built-in applications. I don't actually send enough SMSs to, to, for it to worry me, um, and I haven't had the problem. I've noticed after the last update that I sometimes have problems with the keys on the right-hand side of the screen. I press them and, and you know the key doesn't register and I have to press it a little bit harder. So I think you said you'd had that as well. Yeah, these things are all sent to try us, aren't they? They are, they are. Um, and also, um, you were talking about the slow backup of um, iPhones. And there have been reports of, you know, two and a half hours and in excess of that, which is horrendous. Mine takes about two minutes. So I've got a question for anybody out there who has had the problem or is having the problem of long backup times. Are you using a USB hub? I've read um, a blog post, I think it was, uh, where somebody solved their problem by taking the hub out of the equation and plugging it straight into the Mac. Now, I am using a hub, and I do have no problem with mine when it backs up, backs up about two minutes, but I did have a different hub previously, which was a D-Link, and um, I went out and bought this D-Link especially because it said it was Mac compatible. So um, it was the very first hub I got for my Mac. I wasn't sure with the stuff I had on my PC whether it's Mac compatible or not so I went out and bought one especially and this hub was a nightmare it had a mind of its own it just ejected drives whenever it felt like it but it wasn't faulty because it worked perfectly on the PC and it's still over there and it's still working perfectly on my remaining one single dust entombed PC so there wasn't actually anything wrong with the hub it just didn't work too well on the Mac with the drives so seeing as though my USB hub's working I thought I'd let you know that it's a seven-port powered hub from Maplin. Uh, I'll put the URL in the show notes. It's ludicrously priced at £29.99, and that's pounds. Uh, but often it's on offer at either £19.99 or even half price at £14.99. So um, it's always good to keep your eye out for that. And uh, I've got more than one of those as I've got a lot of external stuff. And I've never had a problem with any of it. If I reboot the Mac, the drives behave as expected. But with this D-Link, no chance at all. So uh, if you are having that problem with the time it's taking for your backups, try plugging the iPhone directly into the Mac or try a different hub and see if it solves the problem. And however you get on, let us know, because we're very nosy. We are indeed. The final iPhone story for, for this episode was a problem that I had. I wanted to get my photos off the uh, iPhone into iPhoto, but I found that when I opened up iPhoto, any screenshots that I'd taken uh, off the iPhone just appeared as uh, blank thumbnails. I, I 
had no idea how I could actually get them out. Uh, but you provided the answer for me, didn't you? Yeah, although they show up as blank um, on the device when you plug it into iPhoto, you can just drag and drop the whole lot or the screenshots you want into iPhoto um, and then, then they behave as expected. The reason is a photo um, is a JPEG and the screenshots are taken as PNGs. So that's the reasoning why, but it does behave as expected. I nearly died the first time I looked at it. I thought, oh no, all my screenshots have gone. But it's just the file formats that's the problem with that. So there you go then. I'd prefer it, to be honest, if it showed up in the Finder and I could drag and drop them from there because I use iPhoto in a very odd, strange way. Um, and it means that I've got to sort of have another library, which is a whole another story. But yes, it solved your problem. Thank you. So the uh, the MacBytes browser junkies had a good week, hasn't she? <gasps> it you would imagine so, wouldn't you? Uh, first of all, I had a look at Ubiquity from Mozilla, which seemed an odd concept, but um, worked quite well. Uh, it's like Quicksilver for your browser. You use a key and you invoke um, a methodology where you can use uh, short words to access other features. So it's really user customizable mashups that you create. And the idea is it speeds up how you work with it. So that's got nice um, options or potential for the future. Um, I wouldn't use it permanently at the moment. Um, I would stick with what I use at the minute. But it, it was nice to see and it's sort of, sort of looking the right way, especially if you use Quicksilver or Launchbar or Butler or anything like that, you'd immediately feel at home with that. And then I had a good chuckle about the latest IE8 beta having a privacy mode. wonder where they got that idea from. Uh, well, we've discussed that before, that that's in Safari and I think it's been in Safari certainly since I bought a Mac. So um, a long time coming, but they've caught up. But I think you mean Google Chrome, don't you? I certainly do. Well, I'm sorry to shock you. I have not even downloaded it. Uh, I've got Windows in Parallels or Fusion, but the longer it is since I started Windows, the less inclined I am to do so because I just can't bear all the system updates. It can take hours. And then there's virus updates and then office updates, and I just can't bear it. So I did think about it. I thought, oh, new browser. I'm the queen of the browsers. You know, you've got to do this. And then I thought, you know, I can wait. Now you're shocked, aren't you? I'm extremely shocked. But what I did suggest was I thought um, you could do it as my proxy. Mm, as much as your steward, you mean? Yeah, guinea pig. Yeah. I thought, well, you know, I if did. it was going to absolutely ruin a virtual machine installation, it might as well be one of yours. Mm, I did. I, I installed it. I fired up Parallels. I installed it. Um, just went to google.com slash Chrome, click the Install Now button. It downloads it, and it'll even import your settings, your passwords, and your bookmarks from Internet Explorer. Not that I particularly have any bookmarks in Internet Explorer, but it'll do it anyway. Um, it's got uh, multi-tabbing, so it's, it's like most modern browsers. Um, in fact, all modern browsers, because I'm sat there back of my mind thinking IE6, which is what I actually use at work. And that's not a modern browser, is it? No. I heard the other day that's actually been out for about seven years now. Really? It seems yeah. longer. So it's certainly not a... It seems much longer um, to a web developer. It does. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's got the, the, the sort of basic options that you'd expect, um, options for startup, uh, default settings that you can change, um, whether you can um, clear the cookies and set cookies and that kind of thing. What I was interested in was the incognito window. Really? Mm. Mm. With a little icon as a pri of a private detective, which I thought was quite funny. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> It's actually the same as private browsing in Safari, so it means that uh, that anything you do in, in an incognito window won't be recorded. Mm. I did actually tell a colleague about it, and she uh, toddled off and said she was going to install it right now. Obviously a Windows user and easily pleased. Yes. Mm. I did actually find, on, on first look, I did actually find that the uh, the browser is faster. Uh, I went to a few sites, you know, like uh, MacBytes and the BBC site and the usual sites that you go to for testing. I did find it it was faster. We will put a couple of links into a couple of, um, of fuller reviews onto the show notes. Yeah, I'd heard it was faster as well, but 
looking at the interface, you know, I've seen the images and I saw it on yours and it's so lightweight, there's so few features I'd expect it to be faster anyway. Um, Firefox slows down the, the more add-ins, plugins and stuff I, I put in there. Um, so it might be faster at the minute, but no, even that didn't tempt me, I'm afraid. And then, of course, there was the fiasco of the end user license agreement which was somewhat reminiscent of a problem that Adobe had with Photoshop Express. Um, I think the gist of it was anything that you typed into anywhere in the browser and any website you visited, um, Google owned the rights to or something like that, which is just ridiculous. The Adobe Photoshop one was you uploaded photos and they could use them in any way they wanted. Um, Adobe quickly changed their mind and Google did the same. And um, we've got a couple of links to what they amended these terms to. But that really wasn't the end of the problems, that was only the beginning. Um, somebody then said that they'd found that it was indexing secure pages, including um, transactions with your bank, which is ridiculous. But there you go. Um, I think it's very much not even a beta, it seems like an alpha to me. Um, it does support uh, theming, though, apparently, um, as Firefox does. So not um, a whole interface changes, this kind of um, lightweight interface change that came in Firefox 3. So um, I've got a link about that as well if people are interested. Um, the figures that were amazing on the day. Um, it apparently was reported it got 1% of the browser market in a single day. And when you think that's only on one platform, that's pretty impressive. I think that's pretty impressive, um, but they, they did advertise it, didn't they? Uh, it was It was, you know, lead story on the, the BBC's technology page, for example. Yeah, and it was a good day to release it because it was Labour Day in the States, so um, there was, a, you know, less competition for for main headline stories. But 1% is pretty impressive when you think that Opera, which has been around a while and is a fantastic browser and cross-platform, um, I think has still got less than 2% of the market, so that is pretty amazing. Obviously, I would have tried it if there had been a Chrome for the Mac, and... I was pretty peeved that there wasn't because, you know, Google are supposed to be there, as far as I see, this do-no-evil business, and yet you only release it for Windows. Just not on, really. Um, they, I read a lot about it. Um, obviously, I'm a browser junkie, so I read lots about it. I didn't actually play with it, but I read lots about it. Um, and, and there was a post on... Um, they have a Google developer's site, a um, few pages, and blogs on Google itself, uh, all to do with the Mac. And um, the reasoning was, you know, it was initially conceived on Windows and then they wanted to keep the development on one platform until they got it to a certain point and then they would take it cross-platform. But to me, it, uh, that worries me for a start. It starts to look um, a little bit like the problem I have with Opera on the Mac. I was pleased when I went to a Mac that I could take Opera with me. It was a living nightmare transferring everything that I had on Windows into it. But I did manage it, um, bookmarks plugins, interface changes, um, I had to apply themes manually, it was a nightmare. But I did get it all there in the end and once, the longer I was on a Mac, the less I would use Opera because just things like the OK and the cancel buttons are backwards. They are Windows style in, in the Windows location and the longer you're with a Mac, I was clicking cancel and then wondering why nothing was happening. And it's amazing that the memory muscle, just how fast you accommodate the, the changes and you, you literally can't go back. So, you know, if they're going to make it available for Windows and then port it across, I'm concerned already. But um, that's just my take on it. Uh, we've got lots of sort of other th things that I found that we'll put up there. I mean, the first thing that got me was they released a comic to introduce it to the world, which is um, unusual, isn't it? It is unusual. What um, With the comic, I heard people um, that I follow on Twitter who were saying that they were pretty put off by the fact it was a comic um, and that they felt that the demographic for a comic was really sort of 12 to 25-year-old men, boys, men, um, and that it was pretty sexist, you know, it was pretty ageist. And I thought, well, yeah, they got a good point with that. I mean, I'm not used to reading a manual for something or promotional literature in the form of a comic. So I actually went and found this thing, and uh, it's about 32, 36 pages. And I sat there and I had a look at it and I, I read through it. And um, actually, there is a lot of information in there. 
and it's some of it's quite technical explaining how the thing actually works and that you know uh, it's all sandboxed and, and if one tab fails it won't take the browser down and etc etc and I thought well if they'd done this in the traditional way where they'd written it all out longhand with some dry and dull diagrams to support it people probably wouldn't have got past page one so actually the comic put things across in a very clear way so I didn't really have too much of a problem with the comic yeah it's a good idea but uh you know when all said and done it's a browser and do you really need a, a 32 page manual in, in whatever format uh for a browser i think your average user probably not and your average user probably won't read it um, they'd have no need to um because it, it's pretty simple isn't it it's very lightweight on the interface it's not as though you need um, an 80 page tomb explaining all the buttons and menu options it's not for that really i think it's a good idea to draw people in to read about the concepts behind it and what they were aiming for because if you were to do a direct comparison between Chrome and Opera or Firefox or any other browser that is sort of a fully fledged browser initially you're going to look at it and probably think mm, this is pretty lightweight isn't it you know I, I can't plug anything in I, I don't see the benefit of it but when put across in the way that it's explaining that as far, as far as they've got so far with it, that they're building up the, the real base level of the thing, ready to, to put things, plug-in architecture maybe, on the top of it later. To actually get across their idea, I think it's a really good way. And, you know, you don't have to read it to be able to use the browser, but if you want to learn more, it's a very good way to get people in and, and make it inclusive, rather than it being a dry and dull white paper that you take a look at and think, I won't bother with that. So... I didn't really have a problem with the comic. Uh, it actually features the, the real developers in there as well, as if the developers themselves are talking to you. Um, so I didn't really have a problem with that. I did find a couple of uh, really interesting posts that have been written. One was on Wired, and I'm not sure where the other one was, but uh, I'll put the URLs in there. Um, really, it was the behind-the-scenes story of Chrome um, over the past two years since the initial conception and uh, what had been done since all the meetings that they'd had and how they progressed with it and I actually found that a really good read um, so that was quite instructive as well as the comic and uh, another post um, that one of the developers from Camino which is a browser that I use has um, been working on Chrome as well so that was another interesting read so um, I was curious about it just not curious enough to cope with Windows to try and use it I mean what would the point be if I downloaded it and found it was absolutely amazing and I had to use it I'd have to use Windows to do it so I saved myself the agony of finding out it was a browser that I wanted to play with and made you play with it instead well, I only did it for research for MacBytes, and uh, now we've discussed it, uh, it'll remain locked hidden away. <laughs> Until they bring out a Mac version, because I know at that point you probably will install it. Yeah, of As course. I will. Browser number 18. Mm. I look forward to it, but it could be some time. Well, that's it for Chrome, but uh, there's another big uh, news item on the horizon, isn't there? Oh, yes. You can never go far wrong in September if there's a keynote speech. And that there is, there is an event on Tuesday. I'm, I'm quite excited about that. Are you? Mm, I am. And what are you hoping for? Um, iPod, iPod, iPod. Oh, you don't want another one? Um, no, but I'm just interested to see uh, what they're bringing out. You're just curious, aren't you? I'm curious, yes. Uh, I think uh, the fact there's going to be a new Nano is a bit of a no-brainer at the moment. Yeah, I think the, the, the pictures that I've seen, which uh, it appeared on a website this week, didn't it? Uh, and I think I'd seen the same pictures about two weeks ago. Yeah, they've been kicking around for a while. Um, when they brought out the smaller Nano, the, the little one that was quite wide, um, I remember looking at the pictures and thinking, no, 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 that is, that is so bad. Um, but I remember when I saw one for the first time and it wasn't even the nicest colour. Um, they arrived in the store about four or five weeks after the event and everybody was diving in to have a look at them and they were just flying off the shelves and when you actually looked at it it was a nice thing so um, I, I've really got to put aside my, my personal preferences for stuff like that and think no whatever they design when you hold it in your hand you'll probably want one I must admit I did actually think about a nano I don't need a nano but it was just so nice that I wanted one and the, from the picture I, th I think it looks quite nice and it looks like they'll be changing the colours again 
That sounds like me with the uh, the touch. I think it was it the leopard launch. Oh, it was. There was drool on the floor. Yeah. Um, because at the time I thought, no, I don't really want one, but I went over and I held it and held it in my hand. I thought, hmm, yeah. I've actually got a picture of you grinning from <laughs> ear to ear with that where's the credit card look on your face. Yeah, you well, were the one got... who said to me, I don't want to touch. It's ridiculously small capacity. Would never do me at all until you got it in your hand. Yes, and then I managed to justify it to myself. And um, how much of your iPhone capacity have you used? I don't actually think I've reached a gig yet. Mm. <laughs> well, I have got an awful lot of applications on it. Um, and what I tend to do is put um, audiobooks on it. But because I can stream my music, um, because I'm in the office and I don't have to rely on a connection, then there doesn't seem much point in transferring it all when I can use Simplify Media and listen to it anyway. I probably could have done with an 8 gig. But I wanted a white one, so it had to be the 16. (laughs) That's my reasoning anyway. Anyway, back to the special event. I'm predicting nanos, which isn't much of a prediction, is it? Um, People are also saying new version of iTunes, iTunes 8, which would be nice maybe. Depends on the features. Um, I've been kicking around an idea for a long, long time. I think we've all heard it before, whether there'll be uh, an unlimited subscription thing which is really to get you into the mindset of paying a monthly fee um it's pretty much like when sky came along and and the concept of paying for tv monthly was alien to people showing our age now aren't we when we remember square it was alien to me i remember it being free yes and square eels um so i think they, they might go down that route although i've read that steve jobs isn't keen on it so I'm getting mixed messages there but one of the things I saw did actually quote prices and it looked pretty much as though they decided. Uh, but I'm, I'd have remained to be convinced over that one. Uh, and as for whether I'd go for it, depends on the cost, really. Um, most of my music that I like, I've already got. And um, the stuff I haven't, by the way, incidentally, is um, pretty much free in the Daily Mail in the next two weeks. So uh, any UK listeners will uh, know what's available in the Daily Mail. 80s, 80s, 80s. Yes, pretty shameful stuff. Really shameful stuff. But um, hey, I was a child of the 80s. What can I say? Um, so I was thinking at one point about three four weeks ago maybe macbooks um but it doesn't feel like that at the moment it would be nice i know they've talked about them for a long time um and i've even seen mock-ups of new cases and things it just doesn't feel like new kit at the moment usually when there's new kit available you're hearing from people that stocks run down and uh, you know this store haven't got any and this store haven't and so and so said wait and it doesn't feel like that at the moment so what do you think about new kit? I don't think there'll be new kit. Um, no, I think that uh, it'll be the iPods. Um, possibly, like you say, um, some changes to, to iTunes um, and this talk about the, the, the subscription service. Yeah, I think we probably will see iTunes 8 um, and possibly something that's been touted around called Genius, which is uh, auto playlist creation. So it'll give you a sidebar which will recommend selections from your library. And it'll also suggest new purchases from the iTunes store. That seems like um, a good way to go to promote purchases from there, together with a new grid view. Um, So I'll put a link up for where I read all that lot. Um, I do think we might see, if we're really lucky, iPhone 2.1. Uh, And what I've heard about that is that it's in testing at the moment, but that they have deliberately kept some features out of it uh, because they didn't want the features getting out into the wild. So the good news of that is we might actually be surprised. It It would be good to be surprised by something. But the bad downside of it is if it's not being tested outside Apple, there's a chance it might not work and coming hot on the heels of mobile me. Mm, bit dubious about that but there was a couple of months back big talk about what was called a product transition in the autumn which I think everybody took to mean cheaper MacBooks or cheaper um, Macs in general and that that seems to have died a death as well like I said it just doesn't feel like it's um, Mac related this time it feels more like an iPod event well, they used the title, didn't they? Let's Rock or something. Again, which sounds musicy, doesn't it? Mm. So 
we're just gonna have to wait till Tuesday aren't we <sighs> the agony of waiting but at least I don't think uh, they could make as big a muck up as Microsoft have done with this Seinfeld advert I know you've seen it, haven't you? I've seen it, and I just don't get it. <laughs> no, I don't get it either. So whatever Apple come out with, it couldn't possibly be as bad as that. And I thought Microsoft couldn't get worse after Bulmer's sale pitch of Windows in the late 80s, early 90s, but I must admit they've completely outdone themselves this time. It is bad. So uh, for, the pe for the odd person in the entire universe who has not seen that, we'll put a link in for it. It is bad. I, I don't get it. I, I know they say uh, no publicity is bad publicity, but watching that, it's bad. It really is bad. So, yeah, we should have a chat on Tuesday online after the event and see what we all think. Yeah, we should. That sounds like a great idea. Right. I will create a lovely MacBytes chat room for us and connect and uh, we'll put the URL in the show notes. And if you're around on Tuesday night after the event or even during the event, uh, join in our chat room and... Uh, we shall pick the bones of what has been announced and we will possibly even play the Seinfeld advert. Can't say fairer than that, can you, and have a real good laugh. That is a good idea. Oh, it was my idea. <laughs> it's an even better idea then, isn't it? Ah, but before we finish with iTunes, yeah, a bit of a rant from me. Um, there was an update out to Twitterific. Uh, I think it was yesterday, Saturday, maybe. And you downloaded it and installed it. Absolutely no issues. This is 1.1 for the iPhone. So I went to download it. I noticed that the button at the top right of the applications, which tells you these are the following applications that you've got updates for, wasn't there. So I actually had to click on each application individually. And it said, yep, you've added this, and, and they put a one in the necessary place, but it wouldn't download it. When I clicked done to download everything, it wouldn't let me do that either. And I tried this like three or four times, and in the end I was getting a message saying, um, you, you're already downloading this and I clearly wasn't because it, it wasn't working. In the end I tracked it down to the fact what was happening was I in iTunes have enabled um, a shopping cart and it has never worked for applications. Your applications as you purchase them do not go in the shopping cart to be purchased in a batch like the music does. Um, but what was happening this time was it was sort of trying to put the application in the shopping cart. It was being, it was telling iTunes that the application was in the shopping cart for purchase, even though they were free. You still have to go through the purchase process. Um, but it wasn't getting any further. So I actually had to go into iTunes and disable the shopping cart to download the apps and then re-enable it for the music. So come on, Apple, what are you playing out there? That, the air was blue, wasn't it? It certainly was. Well, they were stopping me getting software, and that's never a good idea at all. And, talking of software, on to the software review. Yeah, the first uh, first thing to review this week is something called iFooty. And uh, being a football fan, or a, a soccer fan, for any of you non-Brits who are listening, I can heartily recommend a free app called um, iFooty. It's described as a must-have for any football fan and simply put, what it does is provides a user-friendly way to navigate around all the information that is stored on the BBC's website that relates to uh, English and Scottish teams. Currently supports English Premiership, Championship and League 1 and 2 along with the Scottish Premier League. And what you do is you run the application and it presents you with a list of leagues. So you choose the league and then it presents you with the current league table. You then click on the team that you want to see more information about. And once you've done that, it takes you into another screen with a little toolbar at the bottom with four little uh, buttons. And you can get your results, you can get um, the fixtures, you can get the the news for that team which is coming through an RSS feed or you can actually get the the text minute by minute commentary from the latest match. So although it's actually a, a great little app there's actually a couple of enhancements that I'd like to see. One is an alphabetic list of the team, alphabetical list of the teams so I could easily get to see a particular team rather than having to know what league and what league position they're in. And also the ability to review and view all the uh, the fixtures for a given day so that um, I don't have to go through and look at, at each team individually. I can just see all the fixtures for that day. I don't think I've heard you quite as animated over any software in a long time. 
Mm. Mm. Would this mm. be the footy-related part of it, the Scotchy Giddy? It could well be. Could well be. So iFooty is um, the equivalent of my browser fetish. That's right. Okay, then. And who found that, by the way? You did. Oh, I did. I thought you'd like it. I was surprised you didn't already have it. No. Now, shall I get us animated about the last one, as about the next one, as I did for the last one? If you like. Oh, I'm sadly shaking my head. I chill out. I chill out. <sighs> chill out to the sounds of the rainforest. Relax by a waterfall. Let your mind wander with the wind chimes. However you need to wind down, you can do it with I chill out. This is sounding like a sales pitch. Mm, that's read off their website. Uh, what it is, it's, a, it's basically a list of sounds and you can just choose a sound you want to listen to and it's supposed to relax you. Mm. And you paid money for this? I paid 59 pence for oh. it, all, all in the name of research for the um, software review. Yes. Yes, I think I'm going to tell the listeners what you did, which was really nasty. One of these sounds is um, a campfire. And it's... Uh, I mean, what does a campfire sound like? A crackling fire, doesn't it? And uh, a few years ago, we had a fire. So uh, I'm afraid sitting listening to a campfire would not relax me in the slightest. In fact, it really worried me greatly. I immediately start running around thinking that the fire alarm's working. So no, I'm afraid definitely not. Absolutely not. Uh, and applications that make sounds. Didn't they just ban one from the App Store? Did they? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm surprised I chill out hasn't got the feature. Um, this one only made one noise, apparently. And um, I'm not even sure what the thing was called, but the noise was um, windy. Now, now, we're trying to lose, not trying to lose our clean tug, are we? No, 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 not at all. It was a windy noise. There you go. It was windy. And uh, they pulled it. So uh, maybe the developer of that app could go into business with iChillout and uh, add the windy noise to iChillout. That'd work. But I'm, I'm afraid I, I don't get that app at all. Not at all. And even worse than that one, I'm going to get lynched for this, is Koi Pond. Why? I mean, at least one of you must have bought this thing. And it's it was top of the paid-for apps a few days ago. So I would love somebody to explain the attraction to me. I know that Jane's got it and I know that your chum Sam's got it and I don't get it so can somebody please explain it to me. Yeah so come on Jane 73 or Sam just uh, let us know what the attraction is. Anyway please please. You got giddy this week with a credit card didn't you? <laughs> oh yes software 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 uh yeah what came out was uh, bb edit 9 bb edit is um my text editor of choice i've um when i moved to the mac i already knew about bb edit um i'd heard it mentioned on web developer forums uh, many many times and it seemed to be the standard on a mac for um text editor so it was the first one that i tried i think it was version either 7 or, or very early 8 at the time um, it took me a while to get used to it, and I had to program in a lot of the things, um, transfer them from the text editor that I used before, but um, quickly fell in love with it. It's incredibly powerful. So um, version 9's got some lovely new features for those of us who appreciate a really powerful text editor. So if you're into web design or coding, um, you would love this. It's now got a fantastic concept of projects, uh, and that actually brings it more in line with TextMate. Uh, TextMate's implementation of um, handling of a group of files, I actually thought was better than the, the way BBEdit did it. But um, version 9 has put paid to all that, and I've been able to create some um, fantastic organisation in my projects. So it really doesn't matter anymore where the files actually live. You can organise the project in a totally different way. So um, for CSS files and stuff, you can pull them all together into a virtual folder so uh, that's been amazing uh, the the greatest feature i think this version's got is code completion it's just stunning the way it works um, i found it even works um, you'd expect it to work with things like html uh, dreamweaver's had it for a long time but this actually works with um, your own keywords so if you've got a css style sheet attached to a html file or um, an xhtml file 
you normally code completion can't work with um, the names that you've given your own styles but the way that they've implemented it in BB Edit um, it does and I was blown away it really works great for me anyway I know a couple of people are having problems with action script at the moment um, but BB Edit are working on that but for HTML, XHTML, CSS it's absolutely amazing and one of the features that I did like in BB Edit was um, a disk browser. You can open up a disk browser and it was like looking um, at files on the disk. A little bit like the Finder, only you could actually see the contents of the files. What you couldn't do with them was edit them in any way. So it was nice to be able to see them, but when you looked at the view, there was no real indication that you couldn't edit them. So I repeatedly tried to edit them um, and then gave that up as a bad job, couldn't do that. But with the new version, you can you can now actually edit a file in a disk browser window. So that has uh, been brilliant for me. All the old features are just as good and many have been improved. Uh, it was a must-have upgrade for me. And anyway, never mind this me getting giddy business. I didn't notice you complaining when I sent you your licence. No. 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 So um, I, you like it as well, do you then? I do like it, I thought yeah. thought you might. thought you might. On the last episode, we reviewed uh, an application, new application called Speakopedia. And we've got three licenses to give away, thanks to uh, Dave Verwer and the nice folks at Shiny Development. What Speakopedia does is it automatically converts a Wikipedia article into the spoken word. And just a reminder for those that didn't hear the last episode, you run the program and it loads Wikipedia into the built-in interface, which is independent from the browser. You search for a topic, either using the built-in search box or a Wikipedia search, and then the page loads and you click the Speak It button. And your chosen article is automatically um, stored into iTunes as an album, with each section being a track. Now, I tried it out using a Wikipedia page about the Munich air crash in 1958, which wiped out much of the Manchester United team, and I was very impressed with the result. In fact, we've had several people writing in to ask if they can hear the results, so here goes. Introduction. The Munich air disaster took place on 6 February 1958, when British European Airways Flight 609 crashed on its third attempt to take off from a slush-covered runway at the Munich Rheim Airport in Munich. West Germany. On board the plane was the Manchester United football team, nicknamed the Busby Babes, along with a number of supporters and journalists. 23 of the 44 passengers on board the aircraft died in the disaster. The charter flight, destined for Manchester Airport was operated by British European Airways, BA, using an Elizabethan-class airspeed ambassador aircraft GALZU Lord Burghley. And there is actually a 14-day trial available. The regular pricing is $14.95. And as I say, it's been developed by Shiny Development. And uh, you can find out more from shinydevelopment.com. Now, as we said, we've, uh, we're running a competition uh, to give away three licenses. We started this competition uh, in the, the last episode of the podcast, and we're going to continue it on uh, for another week. So we've had some great entries so far. Uh, you know who you are. We've had some very funny ones, haven't we? Oh, we have. We have. And they do indeed know who they are. We're uh, not going to give anything away, though. But the closing date now is uh, GMT, Midnight GMT, on Friday the 12th. Friday the 12th of September. So uh, send us an email to macbytesuk at gmail.com saying that you'd like a licence and which Wikipedia page would you like to convert. And P, please keep it clean because we would like to uh, keep our clean tag as well. No, what you mean is you want to broadcast them on the show. That's right. But if they don't want to keep it clean, then... That's fine too, I'll listen to them. <laughs> you see, I know who's entered and I know who's in the frame so far, uh, but I've not told you. Some of them are very, very funny. Well, I look forward to hearing some of them. OK, on to some events. Yep, first of all, we have uh, a Northwest Adobe User Group meeting, um, which is Adobe Creative Suite making sweet music together. 
Isn't that a good title? Oh, that was another one of mine. And this is going to be online on the 16th of September. And we're going online using Adobe Acrobat Connect. So all you need to make this work is the Flash Player. We've got no passwords, logins, or any other off-putting shenanigans going on. All you've got to do is click the link and enter your name and you're in. You're into um, a chat room, come demonstration room. And we've got a shiny new and improved Connect account. So if you've been in before, um, it should be even better. And if you've not been in before, why not? So um, if you want to have a look at the uh, what we're going to be covering, you can read all about it at nwag.co.uk. That's nwag.co.uk. We're also put um, on that site a link to the room itself, which unfortunately has a hideous URL. But as I say, all you've got to do is click on that. Uh, and at the appointed time, uh, we will be in there. If you click on it and we're not in there, you will see um, information about upcoming events. So that event is online. So nobody has any excuse, possibly apart from the Australians, because I think it'd be four in the morning. But even then, it's so worth getting up for. And uh, something else Adobe-ish related. We have a special event coming up, special, special event, underlined, bold italics, flashing capitals. Adobe is announcing Creative Suite 4 on the 23rd of September. And as an official Adobe group, we are having a special event to celebrate this on the 29th. Uh, and that event is going to be at our usual venue, which is on the Sale Timperley border. So if you're in Manchester, Cheshire or the surrounding areas and you've been thinking about coming to one of our Adobe events, this is the one not to miss. We have prizes and toys and giveaways and possibly even cake. So this is definitely the one not to miss. It's Monday the 29th of September and we will be there from about 7.30 until they chuck us out, enjoying ourselves uh, celebrating this special event. So uh, we should probably have another MacBytes before then, if not two. So uh, you'll hear about it again, but mark that date in your diary. September the 11th, the Northwest Mac User Group NWMUG are having a meeting, usual place, usual time, which for those that don't know is 8 o'clock at the Grappon Hall Community Centre in Warrington. Dave Verwer, who we've just talked about before, will be showing us how to build an iPhone app in 20 minutes. I wonder if he's taking requests. I keep threatening him with a shopping list app that's British and he keeps running away. <laughs> so maybe if you could show me the basics in 20 minutes, I could build one. I live in hope anyway. That looks like a really good event. Looking forward to that. More information at nwmug.co.uk. And of course, we will be twittering manfully while we're there, won't we? We certainly will. So um, you might as well come along because we're going to mither you anyway. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Send in your questions, comments and queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com or, and we've said this lots of times, send us an audio file. And eventually somebody will. You can keep up to date with what we're up to uh, via Twitter. You'll find us at twitter.com slash macbytes. Uh, Plurk, we're at www.plurk.com slash user slash macbytes. Bit of a mouthful, that one. Uh, or you can subscribe to our RSS feed at macbytes.co.uk. So until the next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye.